This is your host, Grant Vermeer, Naval Academy Class of 2017, and I'm your Academy Insider. It's my goal to be your guide through the Naval Academy experience by sharing my stories and providing you inside information into the life of a midshipman. Academy Insider is in no way officially affiliated with the United States Naval Academy. All of the content on Academy Insider is my own and does not reflect the views of the United States Naval Academy, the United States Navy, nor the Department of Defense. She was so good in her first episode that I had to bring her back for another one. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Andrea Howard, who's a class of 15 graduate from the Naval Academy and is a currently a submarine officer. In her first episode on Academy Insider, she talked all about the submarine selection process, as well as life of a submarine JO in the fleet. But today we focus on her time at the Academy, specifically her time within DNB, the Drum and Bugle Corps. So Andrea was a four-year member of the Drum and Bugle Corps and into her first year, she was actually the Corps Commander for DNB. So she gives us keen insight into everything related to DNB, from the tryout process to the actual day-to-day life of DNB members to their performances and events and everything that they do. I think you guys will get a tremendous amount of information about what DMB is, what they do, their time commitments, their obligations, and everything about the life of a DMB member at the Naval Academy. This is a super informative, super entertaining episode, and I hope you all enjoy it. Hey, Andrea, thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the Academy Insider Podcast again. It's so good to be back. Like I said last time, I'm <laughs> a huge fan, so to do a victory lap is, is truly my honor. <laughs> I love it. Uh, if you don't mind just reminding the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, how you got to the Academy, and then a little bit of background about you as a midshipman. Great. So I'm Andrea Howard. I'm from Norcross, Georgia, originally, right outside Atlanta. And immediately after high school, I joined the great class of 2015 and 19th Company. At the Academy, I double majored in Arabic and political science and for today's podcast, I'll mention that I was the Corps Commander for the Naval Academy Drum and Bugle Corps, or DMB as the mids say, in the fall of my first year. The best equivalent to that in the brigade structure is a company commander, but we'll talk today about the uniqueness of the Corps in just a bit. And then after commissioning, I had the opportunity to attend graduate school for two years in the United Kingdom before starting the nuclear training pipeline for submariners. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so thank you for that. And again, like you mentioned, today's topic uh, is going to be the Drum and Bugle Corps, DMB. So first off, first and foremost, can you just tell everyone a little bit about what DMB is, how it's comprised, uh, like what instruments are played, what personnel that you have, and just everything about DMB from a, from a high level? DMB stands for Drum and Bugle Corps. And it is comprised of approximately 100 midshipmen. Of course, that varies year to year. Um, And every year, it reformulates and restructures to accommodate anybody who wants to join. And the midshipmen play either percussion instruments to include snare drums and bass drums, tenors and pit instruments like the xylophone, or brass instruments, specifically trumpets, mellophones, euphoniums, and tubas. Um, The most fantastic part of DMB for me was the variety of midshipmen that it attracted and recruited. So while we all get assigned a company during Cleve summer, DMB for me was like a second company because it consisted of midshipmen from every company in the brigade. And then within DMB, the structure of the organization functioned very much so like a 31st company of sorts because we had a core commander, which was the equivalent of a company commander in the brigade. 
We had an executive officer and an incredibly active operations officer who planned out all of our trips and meals and lodging. And while I was Corps commander, we really expanded the roles of academics and physical mission officers to have internal mechanisms to improve D&D members' grades and physical fitness. We had, for instance, Friday night tutoring sessions and core-wide workouts to start some of our outdoor practices. And so we began to function as this internal family that acted as a supplement and very much so a second company for many of the midshipmen. Yeah, wow. I had no idea that you guys had collateral billets like that or did anything in regards to academics or PMO or anything like that. So that's way cool. Absolutely. And was that something, so I apologize if I missed that a little bit, that was something that you had kind of developed through your time in D&B or is that always the case when you showed up, those were already things or was that something that kind of developed over your four years at the academy and kind of made their way into existing? No, that always existed. So there's always a core staff of, of five people that mm-hmm. some of these various missions. And like I said, it's it's academics and physical missions, but then also the more traditional kind of company commander, executive officer yeah. and operations officer billets. And it's it has to do with the sheer responsibility that is placed upon the students who actually run D&D. Um, we do have outside civilian support and an officer representative. And I was very fortunate we had an 06, a captain, who was mm-hmm. our officer representative while I was the corps commander, which made it a little bit easy to liaise directly with the commandant for planning our operations. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, that one officer and a gaggle of, of great civilian instructors who are really the musical experts, the actual planning and execution of the movement orders and trips and mm-hmm. events for D&B largely falls on the midshipmen, which to me was mm-hmm. an unprecedented and incomparable level of autonomy <laughs> that was given to the midshipmen because you really mm-hmm. don't see that for any other club that handles so much equipment and, and strictly monetary funding too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those are definitely things that I want to dive into a little bit more a little later in the episode. Uh, but kind of before we get there, if someone were to kind of just Google music at the Naval Academy, they might stumble across the Naval Academy band. Uh, do you mind just explaining a little bit about what the difference is between DMB and what the difference is between the Naval Academy band? Uh, and if there's any overlap between the two? Of course. So DMB is different than the Naval Academy band because it is comprised entirely of midshipmen for midshipmen, whereas the band has professional enlisted musicians whose Navy-wide job is to provide the Naval Academy with a full ensemble of musical instruments. So while we both play in brigade-wide parades, you'll see the Naval Academy band kind of stashed in front of the brigade, and they march back and forth in front of the brigade, the, and DMB is, is stashed all the way down by first mm-hmm. Their niche is to also support professional music events like superintendent parties and forestall lectures and banquets. DMB, on the other hand, like I said, is is comprised by midshipmen for midshipmen. So mm-hmm. we do the parades and we do new information all year long, but we have two different functions in the fall and spring um, based off the events that are happening in the sporting and the sporting schedule for the academy. So in the fall. We travel extensively in support of Navy football games and we attend all the home Navy football games. And that's our real niche. We perform at halftime. We provide pet music in the stands. Mm-hmm. In the spring, we shift focus to guest appearances and parades around the nation and to heavily supporting the Navy men and women's basketball teams. Like, you know, oftentimes there'll be 
kind of weird games stashed on long weekends or in the middle <laughs> of exam periods. And, Sorry. <laughs> and, so, and so, no, and I loved it. Yeah. We developed a really strong relationship, especially with the team captains my senior year, which was so nice. But mm-hmm. oftentimes we'll be kind of the, the sole, you know, cheer squad that's there for the basketball teams. And you guys have incredibly demanding yeah. schedules too. So there, there's a lot of time that's, sucked up by DMV for those who, who commit to the organization. But mm-hmm. ultimately all the events, hopefully for the members, have a bit of fun intertwined. And I loved being able to go to all these these sports events and to really get to know some of my fellow midshipmen who are on these teams. And that's kind of how we do it in the fall and spring. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you uh, bringing that up. And I appreciate DMV in general because absolutely, like you said, at times you are the sole like midshipman support at those games. And we absolutely do appreciate it. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, but I also want to talk a little bit about uh, you mentioning parades. Um, so parades are a pretty unique thing uh, about service academies and about the Naval Academy specifically. You know, if you go to a civilian school, you're not going to be marching in a military parade. Um, and it's not normal for like musicians to kind of like do a military parade. So I guess my question for you is, what is the role of DMB in parades? And then specifically in your time as a firstie as the DMB commander, what was your role specifically in the parades in that role? Um, so if you can kind of just make your way through kind of being a plebe uh, to a second class, your role in parades and the role of DMB in general, and then how that shifted when you became a firstie and took command. Okay, so... DMB in parades has been a, a long time institution, firstly. So I'll mention our little tidbit that we get in the parades, which <laughs> we mention every time that in 1914, this gaggle of midshipmen assembled a musical support team for a baseball game at St. John's. And since then, DMB formed into a formal institution, and it is the oldest active drum corps in the nation. Um, as you mentioned, I was the corps commander and um, specifically, I was a corps commander for the 100th year of operation for DMV. So we got a pretty big shout out in the parades during my first year, which was fun. And it was a, a nice little bit of recognition for a really longstanding and traditional organization. Mm-hmm. In terms of the role of DMV members in parades, you're expected to march with Drum and Bugle Corps and not with your company. That's because we need people to provide that musical support to the brigades. Mm-hmm. So you mean actually physically be there with your instrument. Um, from your plebe year to your second class year, so for the first three years, um, you'll be marking, actually playing your instrument in the parade, uh, which I think is a pretty nice alternative to a rifle, personally. Yeah. Um, and um, for the people who are lucky enough to get those leadership billets um, of Corps Commander and XO uh, during their first year, then they form a, a traditional wedge that you see for each of the other companies. Like I said, DMB is stashed at the end of the parade deck. Um, right by first company during plebe summer we're stashed right by alpha company and uh, the core commander does all of the the you know whamadine gizmo sword uh sword routines that the other company commanders do and when all the company commanders are called up by the brigade commander during the parade the dmb company commander reports with the others absolutely fantastic all right uh thank you uh so much for that explanation as well um, and now I kind of want to jump just a little bit into um, how you first got involved in DMB. So when you showed up as a plebe, was DMB something you knew that you wanted to do? Or is that something that someone had mentioned like during plebe summer? And you're like, oh, that sounds cool. I want to do that. 
Yeah, I joined DMB during my plebe summer and stuck with it for all four years of my time at the academy. Hence mm-hmm. why I was able to work up to that billet of port commander. I personally heard about the organization before plebe summer. And mm-hmm. I talked with our civilian director, Jeff Weir, before I reported to the academy. So I was on the lookout for him mm-hmm. during the <laughs> summer, uh, you know, gaggles of, of, uh, of sports team recruitment and such. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to play club golf at the academy. I, I was really gung-ho, so I you know contacted people before reporting, but I could have played club yeah. golf. I thought about trying to walk onto the club softball team. Ultimately for me, though, um, you know, the academy talks about these moral, mental, and physical missions, but I still wanted a part of my, my brain and my time to be de- devoted to music and to arts mm-hmm. and culture. And so for me to exercise a different side of my brain at the academy became a, a real relaxation tool and sanity method to just step away from, from the academics and to have this really wonderful support network of friends. So yeah. like I said, I joined during plebe summer. During plebe summer, D&D members train on their instruments during sports period. And then during uh, drill period, they, they practice marching and, and start learning the fundamentals of doing drill with an instrument, which honestly affords some downtime away from intense company training, too. Mm-hmm. I would say that I was you know, decently musically inclined beforehand. I had played piano, so I could read music. Um, and then in middle school and high school, I played the saxophone. But mm. not everybody needs to be musically inclined to okay. join. And specifically, I switched over from a woodwind instrument to a brass instrument. So I learned to play the euphonium, which is like a baby tuba. That's the only way I can really describe it. Yeah, um, appreciate it. <laughs> tuba you pulled out. Uh, don't be uh, misled by the word baby. It's quite heavy. So I got some strong arms at the academy from it. And the reason I ended up playing that instrument was because it, it was a a kind of personnel gap that required additional people that year. And so that's where they put a lot of the new members who were switching over from woodwind instruments. Mm-hmm. And then to get involved in D&B, most members join during plebe summer. That's the traditional route. Yeah. Because it provides the dedicated time to get familiar with those new instruments, which are provided to midshipmen. D&B owns these instruments. And um, every year you're assigned an instrument at the beginning of the year and you take care of it, it becomes your your personal piece of, of brass that or drums that you are required to take care of. And while there are tryouts, anybody can effectively join. Mm-hmm. For me, <laughs> I was simply required to make a sound, any sound on the euphonium, <laughs> uh, which is not taxing. So you, you too can do it if you are interested. Um, and while there is an opportunity to join in the academic year for anyone mm-hmm. who's learning to who's willing to, to hustle and learn the role in the organization. Um, I would say that most people traditionally join during plebe summer. And then some people also leave after plebe summer and some people leave during their course of time at the academy, just based off of their, you know, other academic or personal interests. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And do you mind just talking a little bit about the time commitment? Um, Because it sounds like you you mentioned a little bit during plebe summer already, uh, you're practicing your instrument, during sports period, and then again uh, during the drill period, you're with DMB, which is a significant period of the day. What's the time commitment like when you shift into the academic year, and what should people kind of know what they're getting themselves into in time commitment-wise and obligations when joining something like DMB? Yeah, it is extensive, um, and 
like you alluded to, I mean, over plebe summer, a lot of your time is devoted to DMV vice your company. And even as an upperclassman, you have the opportunity over plebe summer to spend one of your three summer training periods effectively leading and coaching these new DMB members into becoming part of the organization and to forming a small contingent of, of, uh, of the brigade or of the regiment to then perform in parades and, um, and at new meal formation. So it, it even kicks off in the summertime as being an extensive time commitment. If you're one of kind of the, the leading members of the organization, if you want to uh, ascend to higher leadership billets, it's kind of expected that you'll do some summer training opportunities with DMB. So mm-hmm. you shift to the academic year, like you said, and sports period is still taken up by DMB. You are still doing parade practices with DMB, um, oftentimes performing at noon meal formation, which requires, you know, shaves time before and after lunch um, mm-hmm. or before and after reporting to lunch. And then when we swing into football season, you're performing nearly every weekend of football season. At least while I was a midshipman, we had the funding to travel to all the away games. So my plea beer, I went to every single away <laughs> Because they had the grades to support it, and they needed yeah. people to go, and I loved it though. I mean, it was a, mm-hmm. a great opportunity to travel the country and escape a little bit. And then, yeah. as we shift to basketball season, then so many evenings are taken up as well. As we have to provide that support, and what we would usually do is, is split into kind of a blue and gold crew for basketball games. But mm-hmm. you still end up attending half the basketball yeah. games, and then for the big games with Army Navy, everybody was expected to be there as well. So yeah. Extensive time commitment because it's the typical time that's allotted for sports period and parades and new formations. But then it's also these additional requirements of supporting these sporting events. And so, you know, a lot of midshipmen have one sport sports team that they're devoting their time to and um, and still having to deal with the intricacies of, of working that into their into their schedule. But for us, too, it's traveling for these myriad events, whether parades um, in the springtime too across the country or these basketball games or these football games. And so getting the permissions from instructors to miss class and getting the per diem and operations lined up so that we can execute these events and performances is mm-hmm. incredibly demanding. Yeah, absolutely. Incredibly de- demanding and incredibly public. So I kind of want to shift back to the fact of like, hey, yeah, you can try out and like, Basically, you just have to make a noise. How do you guys? How, how do you guys train and develop people that are still learning their instrument or switching instruments? Is that all on the midshipmen uh, to learn, or is there outside civilian staff help to help with that development? Kind of what? What's the training process and who all is involved in um, the practice aspect to guys make you as or to make you guys as good as you guys are when you perform in these public venues? It is a joint effort. <laughs> That's <laughs> the best way to put it. Um, mm-hmm. So the main musical responsibility ultimately falls to our civilian, uh, our civilian director, Mr. Jeff Weir, who's been there mm-hmm. for ages, um, and he's developed a great program. So he works in a stash underneath the musical department of the Naval Academy, which also has organizations like the Glee Clubs and Gospel Choir and Pipes and Drums. So there is a specific entity devoted to music and musical opportunities for midshipmen at the Naval Academy. And that's run by Dr. Aaron Smith. And Mr. Weir works beneath Mr. Smith. And then um, there's another civilian who's, who's Mr. Weir's assistant. Then we have, for each of our instruments, 
uh, these external volunteers who will come in and out of the goodness of their heart, try to teach midshipmen who can barely make a noise on the horn <laughs> how to actually create music. And okay. uh, their commitment varies obviously by their personal schedules. It's not like they are, are tied to the organization or forced to be there for work. So the people who end up filling the gaps then are the midshipmen themselves. And we very much so, uh, as you send through the organization, are expected to kind of learn the fundamentals of conducting and of training these instruments. So little old me, who had never touched a euphonium, you know, at the start of my freshman year, by the time I was a firstie, was in many ways trying to coach up the new people and mm-hmm. could lead these practice sessions and run through music. Um and that just comes with time, too, for people who are a little bit less familiar like myself. So, like I said, joint effort um, involving these civilian instructors and the students themselves. But sometimes, too, you'll get the the rogue element of like an officer representative or a, a senior enlisted leader who becomes involved with the organization and also just has these like, you know, incredibly uh, impressive musical skills and will hop on a couple <laughs> of practices, too, and help us out. Oh, that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, and so as we continue to discuss DMB, it, it's truly apparent, one, how much time and effort you guys put in to being great at what you do. Uh, but that requires a ton of time together. And so my next question is, due to the time commitment, due to the obligations, due to the amount you guys are working and performing together, do you guys have a strong DMB alumni network? Because that's Someone, did you still keep in touch with a lot of people um, that you were in DNB with? And then at large, the DNB organization, does it have a pretty strong alumni network? It is growing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that we necessarily had a really cohesive means of keeping in touch at the point when I graduated, but I give a lot of credit to this wonderful drummer from the class of 2016 who amped up the alumni network and made a Facebook page. And it's been this great facilitator for people connecting across different geographic locations um, mm-hmm. at their duty stations now. And we also have a huge tailgate at the homecoming game now annually, which really is a result of this particular individual's efforts. Yeah. Um, you find that a lot of people like to come out of the woodwork for these events because DMB does hold this, this really soft and uh, soft spot in people's hearts and, it's a, it was such a great facilitator for meeting people across the brigade. I can't stress that enough. And so mm-hmm. you have these really unique connections uh, for, for past alumni who were able to have a wider web of influence and network of friends and connections at the, at the academy while they were in midshipmen. And then mm-hmm. as a result, they've really maintained some of those special connections in the years to follow. Absolutely. Um, all right. So um, that's awesome. The next kind of step to that, I guess, is again, with how much time you guys do spend together, and especially during the sports period, uh, does DMB have an end of the year banquet, kind of like a lot of the sports teams do? Uh, and are you guys eligible to get any of, so for anyone who doesn't know, if you earn your, like we call our varsity letter at the at the Naval Academy, you then get a N-star sweater uh, like a varsity athlete sweater, are you guys eligible to receive any of those things or something similar? And then do you have a end of the year banquet uh, or any things like that? Yeah, I'm hesitant to call it a varsity sweater because the, the athletes are, <laughs> are rightfully protected. <laughs> um, 
Um, <laughs> but we can get a variant of that, and it's okay. still a blue sweater with an N on it, but the N mm-hmm. says you, of course. So we are distinctly marked okay. as being, you know, the DMV family. Who, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that practice of, of getting the sweaters was actually reinstated during my first year. One of my, my buddies, who was my operations officer, was really into the whole sweater game. And so he, <laughs> uh, he, he pushed hard to bring that back. And it sounds like it's stuck for the years to follow. <laughs> um, we do have an end-of-year banquet to give out internal awards to our most motivated members. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a lot of midshipmen don't realize is the sheer amount of time that D&D demands and so, I mean, we've gone over it, but it's nearly every sports period and parade period and every Saturday during football season. And there's countless evenings during basketball seasons and several spring weekends for these national parades are consumed by DMV. And so it's nice to have a moment to step back in the end of the year and reflect on some of the memories we've created, the performances that we've done, and to recognize the especially uh, lower class, lower class midshipmen. Um, mm-hmm in their efforts and to give them an opportunity outside of their companies to be recognized to, for their contribution contributions to the brigade. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, super special. And I'm glad you guys got sweaters because I agree the sweaters are sweet <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> um, warm for army Navy games. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, and so again, you've mentioned all the different places and times that you guys perform was there ever a favorite of yours was there ever a favorite performance uh, or any kind of event that you guys would perform at that always stuck out as one of your favorites yeah i have a long answer for you for this one Ooh, i like it i have to pepper with just the array of events that we've had because it's hard yeah. to really describe some of the cool things that we've done in a specific <laughs> way so um i'll just throw some of my favorite dmv performances at you so uh Regarding Navy football, I attended the Navy Notre Dame game in Ireland on D&D's mm. dime to kick off my sophomore year at the Naval Academy. Sweet. That was my first time leaving the country ever, and I will always cherish that vacation, <laughs> I will call it, uh, working vacation. And I turned, I had my 20th birthday while I was over there, too, and we actually flew back, so I thought it was super cool that my birthday was, like, 27 hours long because you're doing time. <laughs> That's um, cool, yeah, yeah. My freshman year, too, I was just astounded to be standing on the field at Notre Dame's football stadium because they have such a historical and vivacious crowd. Um, so that blew my mind. Um, I always love supporting the basketball programs. I've been Army to kick off second semester uh, for the January Army-Navy game because, as I've alluded to, we are sometimes the full midshipmen there at West Point in enemy territory. <laughs> which meant that we seriously accepted the burden of making our presence known. Um, for one of the women's games, we chanted ball hog the entire time that their point guard had the ball, which for anybody who understands basketball, understands it's a significant portion of the game. Uh, <laughs> and then the women's basketball team made it into the NCAA tournament while I was a midshipman, and it was phenomenal to take a little chunk of spring break away to go support and play for them. Mm-hmm. Parade-wise, I got to play in Gasparilla in Tampa Bay, which is like a Mardi Gras, but with adult pirates. Um, sounds interesting. It's <laughs> in practice, I can promise you. Um, we actually got to play in Mardi Gras itself in New Orleans. Oh, wow. And every year we played in the Patriots Day Parade in Boston, which is the same weekend as the Boston Marathon. And so I got to travel a ton. Mm-hmm. 
I went to California for the first time and, and had my, you know, traditional rite of passage with in and out. And right. I went to Colorado for the first time and got to spend extensive time at both the Naval Correction, the Air Force Academy and at West Point, which a lot of midshipmen don't actually get to do. Mm-hmm. And I had just these phenomenal opportunities to traverse the country. I've gone on, but I'll have to say that my favorite memory of all time, though, was performing in our centennial year tailgates before the football games. And we got to do a special march on as well with an end formation to kick off the entire brigade getting onto the field for march on for football games during my senior year. So those special events just allowed us to really feed off of our our alumni community and to play at tailgates for uh, Navy fans before kicking off the football, the football events. And it was just a really good time because we saw face to face appreciation of our, of our efforts. And then I would be remiss to, to not mention that we won Army, Army Navy all four years of my time at the Academy and got to perform at all the halftimes. And my senior year, we played a Beyonce field time or field show, which uh, was my personal greatest achievement for a drum and do before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love those. All of those are fantastic answers. And I personally want to say how awesome it is when you guys are up in enemy territory at West Point, uh, Mm -hmm. because I was lucky enough during my time uh, playing basketball. For whatever reason, we always played great at West Point. It was always a little more shaky at the Naval Academy, but we always played great at West Point. And there is no better feeling than running over to our section and singing blue and gold played by DMB up in the, in the top, the top section of the stands um, and, and singing second at West point. That is always a great feeling. So uh, absolutely love little, that. There's a, there's a little bit of extra spice to it. When you get to Ooh. the West point gym, you're definitely. Oh, absolutely. Spice. Oh yeah. It's real spicy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you're screaming, you're screaming beat army just about as loud as you possibly can. And absolutely. I love that. Army fans love it too. They just won't mention it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. All right. So one of the, one of the last things I do want to talk about though, is a little bit more about your role, um, as the, uh, core commander, uh, for DMB. Um, so you've mentioned that it really is like a whole nother company structure, uh, within the brigade. You have, uh, a, a, like a company commander and XO, and you have uh, all of these collateral billets as well. As the commander of DMB, what was your role? What was your responsibility? Was there any additional time commitment that came with just the ordinary time commitment? I wouldn't say ordinary, but the the normal time commitment of being in DMB. And um, yeah, I, I guess I'll just start there with what is your role uh, as the commander when you're in charge of DMB? Yeah, DMV Corps Commander is a huge leadership challenge because you're another entity that is trying to cultivate the academic and physical success for your members, while also being tasked with a unique level of authority for planning trips external to the Naval Academy. So you're balancing all the traditional man demands that you see within a company, um, but you're also then dealing with all of the different company commanders and company officers around the yard, as well as, you know, the, the traditional uh, interactions that you have to have as well with the academic staff whenever you're taking midshipmen away from classes. And so my operations officer and I were scheduling, I mean, us, us as midshipmen, were scheduling hotels and flights and per diem and itineraries <laughs> and instrument shipping 
sometimes over 100 people on our trips because the bigger games were all hands evolution. So if you're going yeah. to Army Navy or Notre Dame or, you know, Air Force, um, then we were expected to get everybody from place to place. We would meet with our civilian counterparts. Um, so Mr. Mr. Weir, who was the musical director and his assistant, we'd meet with him at lunch as well as our uh, officer representative, I'd say a couple times a week. And we would go over the details of, you know, what we had to accomplish that week and then um, how we were going to plan forward for our future trips. And again, this, there's no billet in the brigade that achieves so many trips and performances with such little oversight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really came to, to light for me when I would travel with, like, for instance, the gospel choir or, um, you know, any other academic interest club or the Jewish midshipmen club for me. There are so many more hands in the pot for other organizations. And I guess based off of the the relationship that DMB has developed over time and the ability of midshipmen who were my predecessors to step up and fill those roles, we have continued to act in such a fashion that the midshipmen are getting this incredible operational exposure to what it takes to run a massive organization and to get people from place to place across the country. So as a result, like I said, midshipmen have to truly step up and take on this external responsibility that is so unique in the brigade. And our selection for those higher level billets and maybe occurs at the end of our junior year. There's a formal interview process, just like company billets. Um, I put in my name for core commander with one of my really great friends and supporters who wanted to be my executive officer. And so we, Mm. we, whether or not it had been allowed, uh, we put in a a joint recommendation for how we (laughs) wanted to work as a team. And I mean, at that point, right, they, the staff is so familiar with the personalities that are involved with DMB mm-hmm. that they knew that we'd be a pretty good fit to be the fall, the, the fall main staff. And then we yeah. switched staff in the spring as well. So pretty much every, every first class midshipman who's involved in DMB will do something uh, to give back to the organization and where there are gaps, our motivated second class will step in and fill the role. And then organizationally looking down to, um, even at a lower level as a third class midshipman, I was the you know, euphonium squad leader, which meant that I did orchestrate practices for us and that I was responsible for getting people from place to place as we're doing these movement orders. And that's, a, a again, a pretty unique opportunity to step up as a youngster at the academy and to be responsible for people, not even in the context of the, the walls of the Naval Academy, but to make sure that people are, are behaving responsibly on these highly visible trips. Yeah, absolutely. It, it truly is a special opportunity um, and, and a great leadership opportunity. The, the fact that you, it, it still constantly amazes me as you tell me the the fact that you were in charge of like planning travel for like hundreds of midshipmen as a midshipman is just absolutely wild to me. Right. But you know, you know, more more power to you. You get you get definitely uh, learn a lot when you put in opportunities yeah. like that. Um, I just have these distinct memories of, you know, my, my really good company mate, Anton Ekman, who was also tasked, like, just as an example of how crazy D&D can be, mm-hmm. he and I were also tasked um, to be, we kind of jointly took on the role of squad leader too within our company. And 
So, you know, we, we were doing an interview with our plebes for Prono one minute, and then the next minute we're sitting down and he's looking at hotels outside of New York City for Army-Navy basketball. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I think this hotel looks awesome, Vice, this hotel. And, you know, we like I just remember in that moment, we both just sat back and we were like, this is so cool that we get to do this. Nobody else gets to be like, yeah, what hotel outside of New York City are we going to stay in for, like, you know, this upcoming weekend? So, um <laughs> But yeah, and you throw that yeah. in and already mix of burdens that you have to take on as a midshipman. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely one of the most fulfilling things that I was able to do while at the academy and the adventures and places that I saw, I would have never mm-hmm. reached without the organization. Yeah. And while you travel on these movement orders too, and to do these trips while the sports teams are very much so, you know, restricted and have to focus on, on yeah. their we're allowed to go have fun and i always thought that was just such a nice release (laughs) that you know the the time that you put in was very much so greeted with the ability to travel and relax and to explore these new parts of the country which again is incredibly unique absolutely and can't confirm uh when we would go on road trips it absolutely be uh from the hotel to the gym back to the hotel back to campus (laughs) all the time so that's a way awesome opportunity. When we talk about all these awesome opportunities that DMB has provided you to travel and perform at these um, amazing venues and do really cool things, what other kind of opportunities would you say that DMB opened for you at the Naval Academy? What kind of doors, what kind of uh, places that it, did it get you that you might not have gotten uh, otherwise if you were not part of DMB? DMB is still a great leadership leadership accession path. And so mm-hmm. by that, I mean that I still got to go to the superintendent banquets like the other company commanders and to do the, the shipman yacht cruise on the superintendent's, you know, nice. yacht that he has, but more so than the kind of tangible benefits that you get is this large reaching network of midshipmen that you cultivate into your own personal support structure. Mm. I can't highlight that enough to have a far reaching hand across every company in the brigade and to know people in every company is something that just pays dividends socially and is so fulfilling and rewarding because you meet friends of friends of friends of friends and get to know your classmates better and get to actually have a far reaching relationship to the classes ahead and behind you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's super special because the best part of the Academy are the people there. And so getting exposure to so many people is the real gift that DMB gives back to its members. Nice. That's a very sentimental answer, and, and I love it. I have a, a warm heart sitting over here uh, listening to it. You've provided just through this conversation so far so many awesome reasons that people should join DMB if they're interested. But uh, what would you say for all of our audience out there that are still potentially uh, candidates at the Academy or high school students trying to decide what they want to do at the Academy? Maybe they're musically inclined, maybe not, but maybe interested in DMB. What would you say at DMB? in large for anyone who may be on the fence about whether or not to join uh, and kind of what would you tell them? Music is a window to exercise another side of your brain and your whole persona development. 
we all understand the mission of the Naval Academy and know that there is a moral, mental, and physical obligation on every midshipman. And I think I mentioned it earlier, but to add in this musical and arts and culture element of your personality is a great personal development tool and something that brings you together with people both across the brigade and across the country. And furthermore, it gives midshipmen the opportunity to develop a family across the brigade, which other organizations have a more difficult time providing. So Mm -hmm. for people who are on the fence, if you want to do something that gives you another outlet to express who you are and to develop yourself as a person, then DMB is an incredibly unique opportunity to do so. Awesome. Uh, Andrea, thank you so much. Uh, because you're a repeat offender here on Academy Insider, uh, we're not going to hop into the lightning round of questions because you've already answered them. Um, but I do just want to say thank you so much uh, for taking the time again to come on and explain DMB. Because in all honesty, and me being forthcoming, I, even after four years of the Academy, didn't know much about DMB. And a lot of this information that you gave us today, I didn't know. And so now I know. <laughs> and I really appreciate taking the time to do this um, because you guys are awesome. And I honestly think you're underappreciated. So I really wanted to get out and let you have the opportunity to talk all about DMB for the future, present and past of DMB and just give you the opportunity to share that. And And I just can't thank you enough for coming on and doing doing just that. Thank you so much. Like you said, most people don't know the mysteries of DMB and how we actually get from taking new people to a polished product that we can put in front of the brigade. And while the brigade always will like to tease DMB and (laughs) anchor at halftime, the reality (laughs) is that football games and parades without DMB would be missing a really strong traditional element of, of Naval Academy performances and of Naval Academy games. And so, like I said, well, sometimes DMB can get teased. Ultimately, we do have a presence and a role that I think would be really sorely missed if for some reason DMB no longer existed. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, and I really appreciate you. Ha- I appreciate you coming on Academy Insider. It always truly is a pleasure having you. It is a pleasure to be a repeat offender. And I hope I can <laughs> to be so. But keep doing what you do, Grant. You know, we all support. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Me too. All right. Thanks to the Academy Insider audience. I hope you really enjoyed it. And uh, I look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thanks. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. And I hope you learned a little bit about DMB. Please make sure to leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the Academy Insider podcast. If you want to learn more about the United States Naval Academy, make sure to go to my webpage, www.academyinsider.com, where you can find articles, blog posts, videos, and other kinds of content all about the midshipman experience at the United States Naval Academy. Or you can go to my Facebook page, Academy Insider. Any links we discussed in the show are listed in the show notes. And again, I'm Grant Vermeer, your Academy Insider, and thank you so much for letting me be your guide to the United States Naval Academy.